Parenting is different than I was expecting it to be. Did anybody walk into parenting? And my parents here, some, we got some non-parent, uh, wait as long as you can. I waited until I was 30, wait as long as you can. Any of my parents here, did you, once like the kid came, everything was exactly as you expected? No? No, no one can write a book? Oh, well, I was going to say, I'm happy to ghostwrite for you. Just talk to me afterwards. But the reality is, is that the things that my 18-month-old daughter is into are different than what I would have expected. Let me give you an example. Yes, she likes dogs, but she also likes horses. I have no idea where that came from. But the one that mystifies me more than everything else, we live in a neighborhood, and when trucks go by, she runs to the window, goes vroom, 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 gets all excited and obsessed with trucks. Where did it come from? I have zero clue. She loves it. But the one thing that I do think I was able to, I, I knew going into parenting that I wanted my daughter to love to cook. And I feel like I did accomplish, if nothing else, if I failed everywhere else as a dad, at least she enjoys cooking. So on Saturdays, we get up and we have a pancake breakfast, just her and I, everybody else is asleep. And then she says more, and she doesn't mean more pancakes, she means more cooking. So we've started doing all these different muffin recipes applesauce muffins yesterday. Anybody here ever make applesauce muffins? Mediocre at best was my recipe. If you have a good recipe for me, david at faithcommunityma.com because the only person in my house who really liked those muffins, I mean, my parents were like, oh, they're fine, David, but did they really like them? Ruby liked them. But more than that, the thing that I am really looking forward to cooking with her, now, many people here may think s'mores come in the summer. Well, I live in the woods. I have a nice deck, and when we had that first nice day last week, you remember that day last week. Remember that really nice day we had? That first really nice day, I was like, oh, this is exciting. We're going to do s'mores. We're going to get pictures of this. It's going to be great. So we got all our ingredients lined up for s'mores. We were all ready to go, all excited. We had them all, big tray, bigger than this, but we had our marshmallow. We had our graham crackers, and we had our chocolate. We're all excited. Now, I'm a millennial, so that means I do things weird. Um, most of you would have a fire. Any, anybody have a fire pit at your house? Way to go, guys. Okay. I have to make it complicated, and I have a fire table, which basically means this. Um, so there's like a glass thing, and then there's like fake stones, and then a propane tank hooks up to it and creates fire. Okay? I'm ridiculous. So got all excited, got all of our ingredients, but we had a problem there wasn't any propane. So I previewed everything. I, I said to, I'm a special ed teacher, so I, I probably bring this into my parenting a little more than I should. So I previewed it all. I was like, Ruby, we're going to have chocolate and marshmallows. And I explained to her, and I let her see these things, and she was excited. And then I previewed all the fire safety and how we have to be very careful and not run around the fire. And then it comes time to have the s'mores, and here's what I hear when I turn the igniter on. <laughs> and... There was no propane. And so, because we don't have a regular campfire, there were no s'mores. So we had to kind of settle for eating some of the ingredients. Now, let's take a guess. Which one do you think Ruby Grace enjoyed the most of the ingredients? The chocolate bar. Otherwise, it was fine. We ended up settling for some Teddy Grahams. Now, I bring that up because our Christian life, we can learn a lot from our Christian life. We can learn a lot about our Christian life from a s'more. But even before we look at that, how often do we do that? How often do we substitute other things for the way that Jesus is asking us to live? How often do we 
substitute and settle. And we kind of do things my way. We're like, hey, Jesus, I'm going to see you on Sunday, and the rest of the week, that's my time. And, and so here's what happens, right? In our, in our careers, we substitute ambition for integrity. And what ends up happening, we have power, but people don't really like us, and they're kind of resentful of us. In our marriages, we can substitute control for faithfulness, and so we kind of settle for unnecessary conflict. Like, does it really matter what color the drapes are? I didn't hear any yeses. I heard a yes in the first service. Congratulations, you all passed the first test. Well done, it doesn't matter. The drapes, who cares? Unnecessary conflict. Parenting, right? We can substitute over-identifying over with our children. And what happens? We become helicopter or lawnmower parents. Trying to do something my way is not living the Christian life. That's like saying, hey God, um, I got the week covered, I will see you on Sunday. That is not what it means to be a Christian and to follow Christ. And this is nothing new. It's what John talks about when he's addressing the first church in Revelation 2,000 years ago when he's writing. There's seven churches, and each of these churches has a specific message that they're given. They're told some positive things. They're also said, hey, uh, let's work on this right here. And this is something we see. So here's some, some background about John's writing here. John was on the Isle of, let's see if I have any historians. What Isle was he on? Oh, very good, Patmos. Well done. We have some church scholars and historians. Uh, I love it. Okay, so there he was. That is right off the coast of what continent do we know? Do a little geography right here. What co continent? So Asia Minor, also known as like modern-day Turkey. Well done. Great job. Okay, so terrific. I love that we got our geography lesson for the day. Now, he was writing 43 years after the Apostle Paul had visited this church and established this church in Ephesus. And it's interesting because 40 plus years is about the same amount of time from when this building was put up to right now. So this wasn't like super long ago, like generations, generations, 400 years. This was relatively recent. The church wasn't that old. This building's not that old. So they were initially set up, and we'll talk about Acts 19 in a little bit. They were initially set up one way, and now 40-some years later, things were a little different. Now, he praised them for things. There were a lot of things that the church at Ephesus did really well. And we're going to see that. We're going to read the text in one moment. But they had a challenge. They were settling for works instead of love. They, they were thinking that the things we do are the whole deal, not our love for Jesus and the love we receive. So we're going to read the text, and we're going to look at this. So if you have your Bible with you, I encourage you to open it. Take a moment. Um, if you want to grab your phone, we're going to open up to Revelation chapter 2. Um, you can use Love the Bible app if you got it on there. If you don't have that, and you're like, oh, I want to get on the Bible right now, go to BibleGateway.com. We're going to be reading from the English Standard Version. So let's open up our Bibles together, and let's read the Scripture. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves prophets and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and have not grown weary, but... And 
this part, this is my little interjection. This isn't in the, in the scripture, but there's always a but, right? Here's the but. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Let's pray together. God, as we read your word, we just ask that um, you would really open up our hearts and minds. And as we just see what it means to live a Christian life, what it means to follow Jesus, and really start with that spark of repentance leading to love, we just really ask that you would give us the willingness to evaluate areas in our lives where we need to just stop and repent and turn, turn those over to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so we've already talked about s'mores a little bit. Uh, look at this. I cheated. That's because I need props. How many people... Now, how many people are giant fans of the s'mores idea? Look, it's almost like I was prepared. Who's a big fan of s'mores? Anybody? Okay, who is like thumbs down on s'mores? Anybody not? Anybody think they're kind of overrated? You're not correct. Um, but that's okay. We love you anyway, Bob Parsons. Not a problem at all. Um, so, here's the thing with s'mores. You have to have the right ingredients. Has anybody ever tried making s'mores with different ingredients? Okay, I want to hear some, let's have some interesting, um, tuna fish is not a s'more ingredient, so let's keep it relatively, uh, if you have something that really works, like cream cheese, I'm willing to hear that out, but like tuna fish, come on. What, what do we got? Reese's, okay, this came up in the first service too. Who here thinks that Reese's peanut butter cups are an acceptable ingredient for a s'more? Raise those hands high. Is anybody thumbs down on this? Pastor Stan is thumbs down, uh-oh. Mr. Friend, we're going to have to have a talk with Pastor Stan, because Pastor Stan has never been into Reese's, which is just a missed opportunity. Okay, let's hear another one. What's another interesting ingredient we have for a s'more? You need the right ingredients. I can give you one from the first service. They were much more chatty. Kit Kats. Okay, who, who, how do we feel about Kit Kats in our s'mores? Thumbs up or down? Straw poll. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Most people abstain from voting. Okay, we'll try this one. This one came up in the first service. Very divisive, fully divided congregation on this. Literally 50-50 split in the first service. Nutella? Oh, we're basically just all kind of thumbs down. I see a few, see a little bit. Okay, so it's very clear. So good. Now, I just did a special ed strategy. What I had everyone do, that you, so I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Now you're thinking about the concept of s'mores, and you're, whether you participated or not, you're thinking, okay, I had this experience with s'mores. I like putting this in my s'mores. Well, Pastor Stan's wrong about Reese's. We know he is, et cetera, et cetera. So good. Now we're thinking about the s'mores because we're going to use this to understand the Christian life a little bit better. So you need not only the right ingredients, with s'mores, it's not just about the ingredients. One time I was at camp. I was 11 years old, and they had the brilliant idea to give a bunch of 11-year-olds the ingredients in advance. Who thinks this is a smart camp counselor thing? Not wise. What do you think I did with it, ladies and gentlemen? I ate it. When it was time for s'mores, how did I feel? Very sad. Well, I was happy because I enjoyed my ingredients, but I was sad because I only ate the ingredients, not the s'more. My friends, here is an important question. If I have my ingredients here, is this a s'more? It's not a s'more. These are all the ingredients for a s'more, but it is not a s'more. 
It's not. I learned that the hard way as an 11-year-old. It was a very sad time. More to come on that camp experience a little bit later. I was disappointed. Ingredients aren't s'mores. They're just ingredients. And my friends in the Christian life, good works are not a Christian life. They are just ingredients. Let's look at the text. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance. Okay, so here's what John is saying. John's saying this. Hey, church at Ephesus, really terrific that there's all this persecution going on. There's all this chaos. Different, different groups have, have come along. And I really appreciate the fact that you're doing the right thing. Let's look at a couple of these things that they're doing. They are patiently enduring. But here's the thing. Works are just an ingredient of the Christian life. I, he says, I, I'm really glad that you're doing these things. These are great. Congratulations. Well done. You picked the right ingredients for your s'more. You didn't put Reese's in there, and you got a Pastor Stan-approved uh, s'more. Terrific. However, two grams, half a Hershey's bar, and marshmallows do not equal a s'more. They're just ingredients. Now, here's the thing with graham crackers. Anybody a connoisseur who loves to just like eat graham crackers on their own? Okay, terrific. I don't understand you. Um, but I love it. I love it. I don't get it. I, I, I never have. I've always just been like, they're kind of dry. Now, there was great controversy and tragedy at the Cushing household yesterday. Pastor Stan is my dad. And he goes into my, my cupboard. I, I just got back from Trader Joe's. Felt really good. You're out of cookies again. What are you talking about, Dad? I'm not out of cookies. You're out of cookies again. So I look through. I have like seven different types of cookies. I finally figured out in the Pastor Stan translator what was the issue. I was out of EL fudges, okay? So here's the thing. The problem with the graham crackers, they're not EL fudges. Except for my connoisseurs, good for you, I don't understand it. They're just kind of a dry, a dry cookie, like I, yeah. Okay, marshmallows, again, Pastor Stan is the only person in my life I know who will just like eat mar marshmallows. Anybody a big fan of just eating marshmallows? Nicholas, nice job. Okay, we got a couple, I like it, but here's the thing. I don't know. Not super into that. Also, we can't say anything bad about the Hershey bar. Fair? Can we all agree that's good on its own? Okay. Here's the thing. Praying, reading the Bible, helping others, refraining from swearing, these are all good things. These are all works of Christian living, but these are not Christian living. It's, you want proof? When I was in college, I had a professor who knew the Bible extremely well like could totally tell you the Jonah story, deconstruct the Jonah story, reconstruct the Jonah story. Here's the thing. This professor was not a Christian, did not claim to be a Christian, did not want to be a Christian. Knowing the Bible and knowing the literature of the Bible does not make you a Christian. It's just an ingredient. So John here uses the word ergon. It's a Greek word, and it means works or deeds. So 40 years after starting as a church, 40 years after it was built— they still had the works. They still had the ingredients, but they were missing something. Now, they did have these ingredients. They had the patient endurance. That's terrific. It's great to patiently endure and be steadfast and wait. That's a work, though. Um, they didn't follow bad influences. There were these people who showed up pre-internet. So, well, it's easy to do that, too, with the internet either way. But just like in today, there were people who decided that they said, hey, here I am and I'm going to call myself a prophet or an apostle. But this church was really good at saying, hey, 
Um, no, we're not going to follow you. So they did a good job at that. But again, it's a work. Hanging with each other through a trial. That's talked about in verse 3. That's great. We just hung together through a really difficult year, year and a half. But that's a work. They're not exclusive to Christian living. Just because we're doing these things, that doesn't mean we're living the Christian life. There's something missing. Now, let me introduce you to a word that I think you're going to know, but Pastor Stan says you're not. So we're going to do a straw poll again. Um, I'm going to introduce a concept, and we're going to vote. And if you're at home, type in the chat. Who here is familiar with the concept of life hacks? Life hacks. So either we're not participating or we don't know. So that's great. So maybe Pastor Stan is right. Last service, 50-50 once again. Okay, here's the thing. I have a theory that just like with my parents, you actually know what a life hack is, even if you're not voting or aren't sure. Now, if you go on the internet, here's some common life hacks. Let's see if we know these. Okay. If you have a spare minute at home, always take a few seconds to just pet your dog or cat and really appreciate them. Basically, like, instead of just scrolling through Instagram, pause and say, hey, I got a dog. Her name is Annie. I'm going to give her a little attention. That's a life hack. Here's another one. Buy anything you need for the kitchen, plates, glasses, pans, from a kitchen supply store, not a retailer. You'll save a lot of money. Let's try another one. Uh, if you put something down temporarily, say it out loud. I have put my phone on the music stand. Okay, but here's proof that my parents actually know what a life hack is because when we come to number one on this list, it says store natural peanut butter upside down so it won't separate as much. Now, my dad was like, I don't, I don't know what a life hack is. And I'm like, oh, that's not true. So then literally, coincidentally, I open up their cabinet. I, I pulled those out. Those jars of peanut butter are just like that in the cabinet upside down. So clearly they have an idea of it. A life hack is simply let's take common way to do thing, flip it around a little bit to make it easier for life. But here's the thing. Even if we have the world's best life hacks in our Christian living, in our marriage, whatever, these are just works. Here's another example. The five love languages. Is anybody familiar with five love languages? Okay, terrific, wonderful. If you don't know, Dr. Gary Chapman wrote a book in the early 90s. Really profound, really great. Check it out. Five love languages are this idea that we all have different ways we communicate and receive and give love. And so there's five really common ones that they can be put in these categories. There's words of affirmation, quality time, physical touch, acts of service, and gifts. But here's the thing. Date nights, gifts, quality time, cuddles, and doing the dishes for your spouse do not mean that you now have a Christian marriage. I'm sorry, they're just works. Good works on their own are just ingredients. They're good ingredients. They're like a tasty chocolate bar, but they're still just an ingredient in the Christian life. Something more is needed. So remember how we had the, the heartbreaking disaster when Ruby and I were trying to make s'mores? What were we missing? Remember? Go back to that story. We're missing propane because I'm strange. Most of you, if you were making s'mores, what fuel would you use? Wood, firewood, well done. Okay, so you need the right fuel. To heat up the ingredients, you need fuel. Ruby and I had run out of propane. You typically would need firewood. Love is the fuel. Look at verse 4. You have abandoned the love you had at first. When the church of Ephesus was founded 40-plus years before this was written, they were excited. They did everything out of love. 
They were like, wow, this is amazing. Jesus is awesome. Let's, let's live a totally different way. Let's look around us. Let's be really just amazing to each other, and let's do our best to live and to really bring Christ's message into our hearts and live it out. They had faith in Christ. They repented of their sin. They received God's free grace, which saved them from both the power and guilt of sin in their lives. And then, because they received his love first, they wanted to spread it everywhere. But over time, and this, this we can relate to, right? Over time, what starts to happen? Things get stale. Not because the gospel was stale, but because they started mistaking the ingredients, the works, for relationship with Jesus. They started thinking that living a Christian life is about what we do rather than the love. The love is the fuel. To make a s'more, you need the right fuel. Typically, this would be firewood if you need example because you'll be like, this guy is preaching to me about propane s'mores. Okay, fine. You want an example? When you walk out of the church building, you're going to see that we have a campfire there. What is the fuel that they use? Firewood. Yep. Typical right kind of fuel. However, anybody have experience where you try to start a campfire with a different kind of fuel? Let's go back to that camp. I was at 11. I don't know who those camp counselors were because literally, I, I can think of all these stories. I'm only using two today, but I can think of like nine stories where we were unattended being foolish, but whatever, part of growing up. So my friend and I decided we didn't have any firewood, but we still wanted to have a campfire. And we had all these solo cups and all this plastic and all the styrofoam. And so we, we throw it there. We make a hole in the dirt. We throw it there, get all excited. We, where did we get lighter fluid from? We had lighter fluid. Uh, throw that on there. Had a couple matches. I don't know what they were doing with these kids. But anyways, throw the matches on there. What do you think happened, my friends? Oh, man. Like, literally, if someone burns styrofoam to this day, I go back to that moment. You have to have the right fuel. So what is the right fuel? In the scripture, we learn of agape love, and that is the Greek word here. That's God's unconditional true love. We love because he first loved us. The greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, and the next is love your neighbor as yourself. Love is the fuel. We, we can mistake the ingredients. We can mistake the works. We can say, oh, it's all about what I do. It's not. It's all about love. I think about the first day I was out at college. Uh, my dad and I were in a Quiznos. Anybody know what a Quiznos is? They did it the first service. We know a little bit here. It's a sandwich shop. Um, I think it went out of business. I don't know. But we went there, and there was a really nice guy behind the counter. And we were talking to him, and he made our sandwich. I don't remember the sandwich, but I remember the interaction. And then he was getting off a shift, and he came and sat with us. And he just talked to us. He was really sweet and kind. His name was Robbie. And he spent like 45 minutes with us, asking about us, telling us about himself. We learned that he was really involved with Campus Crusade for Christ, um, now called Crew, years later, um, at the college. And he just, he didn't seem to have an agenda. He was a really sweet guy. Now, coincidentally, because this guy just was acting in a loving way, not with an expectation, not with an agenda, I happened to start going to Campus Crusade for Christ. And eventually, a year and a half or so later, I meet a young lady named Laura at a retreat there. Eventually, I, there's a lot of other pieces. We're oversimplifying. Eventually, we get married, etc. So sometimes, amazing things happen when we just see that love is the fuel. We don't need to have an agenda. And it's not about the works we do. It's just about love. It's just about saying, wow, he loved us. 
Now we have this opportunity to love each other and we can't control the outcome. But if we just say, hey, I'm going to act out of Christ's love, good things happen. But remember this. So even if you have the ingredients, so you've got your s'mores ingredients, you've got the, all the different things you need, and you've got the fuel, you're still missing something. Because if I have my tank of propane or I've got my logs and I've got my ingredients, I still need something to have a campfire to make s'mores. What do I need? I need a spark, right? I need to, it's got to go from fuel to being on fire. Okay, what is the spark, my friends? Repentance is the spark. Repentance is a really misunderstood concept. Repentance is literally saying, I stop, I turn around, and I go in a different direction. We, we have a, a saying here at this church where we say, if you go 20 miles into the woods, and you're making all your decisions, and here we go, 20 miles in, if you repent, you stop, you turn around, but here's the thing, how many miles into the woods am I? This isn't a hard question, 20 miles, okay? So now I got to go 20 miles out. Now Jesus is here with me, and we're going to walk together, but we're walking 20 miles out. Now, a lot of us really have kind of protagonist syndrome. We, we feel like our life is a movie. We expect that a helicopter is going to come through the clearing and save us. It's likely not. I mean, that could happen. But probably repentance means now we have the long, slow walk of faith out of the forest from whence we came. Repentance is the spark. Now, remember that church at Ephesus. In Acts 19, we read about Paul going to Ephesus for the first time. He asked them about the Holy Spirit, and they were totally clueless. They're like, what is the Holy Spirit? I have, I have no idea. The Holy Spirit is the fire, right? If repentance is the spark, the Holy Spirit is the fire. The Holy Spirit is what nudges us, what cleanses us, what leads us. But he was like, okay. So he told them about the Holy Spirit. Then he's like, well, whose baptism are you baptized in? They said, oh, well, we were baptized in the baptism of John. Now let me explain what that means. That means that at the very beginning of the Gospels, there was a guy who was kind of an interesting uh, young man who lived in the wilderness, ate locusts and honey, kind of did a whole different thing. He baptized people, right? And so these people were baptized, and then they were sent out. So they, they missed a lot of the plot of, of the Gospels, right? Because they were now out in Asia Minor when the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and the ministry were going on. So Paul explains to them, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. And they were saved. They gave their life to Jesus. And now they were on fire. But here's the thing. Over time, things started to just get... Uh, you know how it goes. Things get less exciting. Things get kind of stale. And so now, 40 years later, they had forgotten their conversion and the personal relationship with Jesus and the fact that the Holy Spirit lives within us and convicts us. But remember, this isn't that long ago. This was only like 40 years ago. This building has been here like 40-ish some years. That's as long as this church was there for. And so they had to repent. And why do we repent? Because we're unable to simply turn our lives around on our own. We have to stop. We're created in the image of God, but we all mess up. And oftentimes... We find that, okay, I repent once and I need to again. Now, going back to that story of my friend Robbie, so I went to Campus Crusade for Christ for a little bit of time. It was great. And then I stopped going. And I'm not a perfect person. None of us are. Um, I went in other directions with my life. 
Then after a while, I said, you know what? I need to stop. I need to turn around. I need to let the Holy Spirit convict me of my sin, and, and I need to realize, okay, I need a Christian community again. So I got back involved in church. I got back involved in Campus Crusade. And Robbie and others were like, hey, welcome back. Nice to see you. Because whenever we experience things in our lives where we need to repent, it's always a good idea to do so. It can happen in our marriages, in our parenting, in our work. And so now I know that whenever I get to a point where I'm living in that, this is my way and hey God, I'll see you on Sunday, it's not that I need to like beat myself up over it. It's not like I need to just feel like I'm totally worthless. What I can do is I can stop and I can turn around and say, okay, um, I'm a couple miles into the forest now, hooray, but Holy Spirit, please lead me and guide me and let's go the right direction. So let's talk about the s'mores a little bit more. To make a s'more, you don't just need ingredients and fuel. You need the spark. You need the fire. And so if you want to make s'mores, because if you look in the text, it says repent and go back to do the works you did at first. So go back to the start. So think about the first time you ever had a s'more. Now, there was someone in the first service who said that she had never had a s'more, and so she was going to have her first s'more experience this afternoon. But I want you to think about the first experience you had with a s'more as a kid. Well, pause for like 10 seconds. Think about it for a moment. Wasn't life so much simpler then? We can go back to the start. Repentance means we stop, we turn, we go in a new direction, and we say, Holy Spirit, let's go. Please guide me. Please direct me. So when my, when my grandfather, my grandfather was a pastor, when he counseled couples who were really struggling, he told them this. He said, think back to when you were dating, and things were going really well, and you liked each other. Go back and live like that again. If you are struggling with a teenager, now I have a toddler, not a teenager, but I work with teenagers. Teenagers are fun, aren't they? Okay, teenagers are not unlike toddlers, by the way, but that's a whole different discussion for another day. But if you have a teenager you're struggling with, think about how you lived when the baby was first born. Here's my one TMI moment, I apologize. The baby pooped everywhere, and it wasn't that big of a deal. You were like, okay, babies poop, they spit up too. How exciting. But you loved your baby, and you rocked your baby. I have an infant. He's sitting right over there. It's a great time. That doesn't mean it's perfect. That doesn't mean you can control it. But you go back to that first love. You go back to that excitement. You say, okay, I'm struggling with my teenager right now, but remember when he was that little baby, and he pooped, and he spit up? wasn't that big of a deal. We can figure it out. So think about repentance brings us back to the start. With our work, we, we tend to, maybe not we tend, we can, we can blame other people. But the common denominator is not other people. The common denominator is ourselves. With our children, again, we can claim none of us are expected to be a perfect parent. We're expected to be a present parent. So it's not about saying, oh, I'm perfect and I'm so amazing and my child is going to look up and worship me. No, your child is going to look up and worship Jesus. I, as a parent, am going to point my child to Jesus and so therefore, the most powerful thing I can say is, oh, Ruby, Ruby's my 18-month-old. Ruby, I'm sorry, Dada messed up. Let's try that again. The most powerful thing we can do with our teenagers, with our adult children. So at the end of the service, we've got, um, we've got ingredients for s'mores. I invite you to pick up a packet. And I want you to, you can make them if you want. You can put them on your desk. You can put them on 
your dashboard, or your car. But I want you to remember that the s'more tells us a lot about the Christian life. Because we can make it about the ingredients. We can make it about the works. We can make it just all like, oh, it just matters what I do. But it's not. You have to have the right fuel. You have to have the right fuel to make those s'mores. You have to have love. And that's terrific. But the spark is repentance. The spark is saying, wow, God, I need to stop. I need to acknowledge where I'm wrong, and I need to turn in a new direction. And that's what God wants to do in each of our lives. And so if you're struggling today, what I really offer you is grab that bag of s'mores and say, you know, is there an area of my life where I am really living the wrong way, where I'm doing one of these things, where I am focusing on the works and, and not being fulfilled, where I'm, where I'm missing the love. I, I haven't, I'm doing the right things, but I've, I've lost that first love. And just say, Jesus, please, please, Lord, just help me get to the point where I can just say, you know what, I want to go back to where it was at the start. I want to reignite that fire and just have that love for you, have that love that I received from you, for my wife, for my children, even for my job. Because it's springtime. In the Cushing household, that means it's time for s'mores. Maybe you're more of a June or July or August s'mores person, but springtime is for s'mores. And it's springtime in our spiritual lives, too. It's time for repentance. Let's stop overthinking it. S'mores take us back to our childhood. In our Christian lives, God wants us to get back to that childlike faith. So let's stop overthinking it. Let's pray. Father God, we just ask today that in those areas where we have really focused on the works or where we've really forgotten the, the love. We really ask that you would give us the willingness to repent, to say, you know what? I'm not perfect. I'm not expected to be perfect. There's only one who is, and that's Jesus. And therefore, I can stop and I can say, don't need to overthink. I don't need to have more guilt. I don't need to wallow in shame or frustration, but I can let go. I can turn around, I can repent, and I can go back to that first love. And so today, whether that's in our marriages, in our parenting, in our workplaces, or just in our day-to-day -day lives, we ask, Father, that you would give us the courage and the strength to admit that we mess up, the courage and the strength to admit that we don't have all the answers, and the courage and the strength just to repent, say, hey, not a perfect guy. There's only one who is. I need to follow. So now let's go with the confidence that it's not about being a perfect dad. It's not being about a perfect husband. Not about being a perfect mom or wife or child. It's just about being a humble, humbler, humble follower of Jesus Christ. So let's go with that confidence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.